0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. He's here, amen? Amen. Why do you stand up, put your hand on your heart, and pray with me. I've heard this word um, "plow" in the last couple of weeks. Plow, and I don't know <laughs> the condition of your heart this morning, but your your Savior does. But each of us has a responsibility as a follower of Jesus to plow the ground of our heart. So just just take a deep breath right now. Shake off the things of the world. The the things that are drawing your attention right now. Just let go of every distraction. And let his plow cut deep into that hard soil. This word that that he's about to give you is going to be completely useless unless it finds soft ground. Because if there's hard spots, the the enemy will snatch up that seed and take it away. The weeds of this life will will choke out the seed. But Father, we pray this morning for good soil. For fresh soil. We're expectant, Father. We want to leave this place different than when we came in. We don't want to be the same people that walked in the doors this morning. We want to be changed because you've called us to go from glory to glory to glory. And if we're just the same, then that's just religion. We're not here for religion. We're here for a relationship. And you've showed up this morning, Father. Your presence is here, but is our presence here? Are we present enough to meet with you? To wrestle with you like Jacob did. To allow you to plow up the hard places that that we've left in a back closet somewhere, untouched for years. Holy Spirit, reveal those places to us this morning, especially the places, the things we don't even remember. Because the hurts are so deep, we've locked it up far, far away. But Holy Spirit, you remember, and you don't waste anything, even the pain. You have a purpose in the pain. And so, Father, would you bring to the surface the things that need to be exposed today? Not to, not to bring up that pain again, but to bring up your presence in the pain. You see each and every person this morning with their hand on their heart. You know each and every one of them. They are a son or daughter. They are so precious to you. If it was just them, you would have gone to the cross. And you're desperate for them. God, I pray that our desperation would rise for you. May this word find soft fertile ground in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen Amen. you can take your seats it will be soft pretty soon it sounds like glory Glory to God. God yes now these have been some great chairs for seven some years we're so great so grateful I was just overwhelmed with gratefulness this morning worshiping where God has taken just a little Bunch of obedient people in seven and a half years, and if it was just to change my heart, then it's, it's worth everything. And I think it might have touched a few others as well. So we're in this uh, season, the series called Drift, um, fantastic series, and I get to close it out this morning. And it comes from the the Hebrews, the Hebrews, Hebrews. Chapter two, verse one, which says, "For this reason," and I love, I love that Ryan uh, pulled this out last week. He said, "What's the reason?" So you got to go back to chapter one to find the reason. And essentially, you boil it all down, and it comes to the reason is Jesus is superior. He's superior to everything, to angels, to to you and I, to everything. And for the reason of Jesus' superiority, we must play, pay much closer attention than ever. So that means you must pay much more closer attention than ever, than you did yesterday. You've got to draw in. He's pressing in, or you pressing in? You have to pay attention to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift further away from the truth. And I was blessed to be out on the lake yesterday in a boat, and we... We had cut the engine off at one point, and we just started to drift. And here's the thing about drifting. Drifting takes zero effort. Drifting doesn't take any effort at all. There's no propulsion. There's nothing that you are doing. You're just slowly drifting. But I'm telling you what, pretty soon you're going to hit something. It's not going to be pretty. It doesn't seem like much at first, but drifting takes little to no effort takes no effort takes a lot of effort to plow the ground takes a lot of effort to step forward together that's what this church is called to do that's the acts 214 mandate is peter stood up with the rest of the apostles he wasn't alone and he stepped forward together and we've the church has been stepping forward ever since that day that takes effort drifting takes no effort And I believe right now the enemy is trying to divide the family of God like never before. I believe there is a principality of religion right now coming against fathers and mothers, especially of this body, because that dark spirit is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's the good news. The only reason he's attacking is because he sees the advancement Of the church of Jesus Christ. He sees the remnant that has been winnowed out over the last few years and has strengthened themselves. We've strengthened what remains. And the best things in the word come from the smallest tribes. Jesus comes from Bethlehem, a no-name place, from Nazareth, a no-name place. And he calls the unlikely, he calls them to lead his church. And so if you've been facing, like I have especially in the last couple weeks, just the stress, the anxiety, the things coming against, realize that that is probably a spiritual attack. Yes, there's things that, that we do to put that on ourselves, of course, decisions that we make. But I believe there are things that are being thrown at targeted individuals because he's trying to break, the enemy. He's trying to break the generations apart. I saw a vision last yesterday afternoon of these fields. It's like I was in an airplane, and these fields, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but especially up in Canada, they, they've got yellow canola fields. It's beautiful. And these, these yellow fields are next to green fields, next to you know white wheat fields. And I saw all these pieces, these fields coming together and like God was stitching them into a quilt. And there's so much power. That's why, this is why, Collective is so powerful because it was like that missing piece of the field that brought this whole uh, tribe together, right? And he's stitching us together. It's, and it's not just about collective. What, we do these things in in um, segments or, or separated so that we can come back together as a family, amen? This is not about one, you know, youth 214 or kids 214 or collective or 37 or the women's ministry. It's, it's about that entire family taking a journey together, stepping forward together. And the enemy hates that because there's power when the body is fully functioning, when the generations from zero to 105 are fully in alignment and functioning. Because I'm telling you what, that the 105-year-old needs the baby. And the baby needs him or her. We all need each other. There's power when you doing what you're supposed to do in the body of Christ. You're not called to drift. You're called to be a disciple. And so God is stirring up his remnant. That's why you're here here today. That's why you're hungry to hear the word. And the spirit is blowing from the four corners and the four winds. He's accomplishing his purpose, but we're going to get bloody in the process. You know, in in Joshua and Caleb, they, they saw the victory that God had promised them, but there were 31 kings they had to defeat to fully conquer the promised land. We're seven-plus years in. We might have taken Jericho, but we got 30 more cities to take. It's, it's a bloody battle, but we've got, the, we've got God on our side. Victory is sure. The promised land is ours. And as long as we stay together in the generations, fighting along each other, alongside each other in unity, there's nothing that can stop us. Nothing. It's the spirit of Elijah. That's the picture of generations coming together. It's a turning of hearts from the fathers to children and children to their fathers and it's that acts 2 time where it says his spirit is being poured out on all flesh all people sons and daughters will prophesy men and women will see dreams and, and have visions. And I believe we're in a season of Elijah transfer to Elisha where there's actually a pouring out of a of a, of a double portion An anointing that the world has not yet experienced. I believe we're in that transitional season. But we have to stay faithful to the call. And there's plowing that's required. See, drifting doesn't take any effort. But stepping forward together takes some effort. Last summer when we were in our Follow Me series, I don't know if you remember that, but we talked about sons and daughters becoming mothers and fathers, and that's been a theme of, of our church, is that you're always a son. Yes, you're always a daughter, but you're also becoming a father or a mother. And it's so important to understand that. And there's there's spiritual mothers and fathers that you should be following. Some of them may be younger in age to you. It's not an age thing. But we were all created to be sons and daughters as well as fathers and fathers. And mothers. See, in the kingdom, Jesus calls us to mature in two different ways simultaneously. The first is really easy to understand because we see it in the physical life. Right? We're we're a son that's becoming a father. Cross, could you come up here for a second? My man cross. Now let's step over here because the table's in the way. I just want everyone to know this young man has a prophetic call in his life. He has a very strong call of God in his life to speak with authority the word of God. And I want you to know it's not someday, but you're actually, you've been doing it and you are doing it. So I'm very, very proud of you. So Crosley, you're a son, right? And I think your dad's probably teaching you to become a man. I've seen some things, yeah, to be a manly man. You're like, you're more of a man than some people are that are like 40 years older than you, but we won't tell anybody that. So you're a son that's becoming a father. You you don't actually have any children yet, right? Okay, okay, that's a good thing. That's, That's good. I was hoping that'd be the answer, yeah. But you know what you're also maturing into? You're also maturing into a child. Isn't that strange? Like, do you, do you want to go back and become a baby again? No, not really. But see, here's the thing that Jesus calls us to. He calls us to two different directions at the same time. He says, Cross, I want you to, to, yes, to be that boy that's becoming a man, a father, but I also want you to be that father, that, that man that's becoming a child. You're called two different directions, and you're doing such a great job. I love you, brother. So we don't talk about the second way of maturity very much. Even though Jesus said it all the time, he says, Heidi mentioned it earlier, you you must become a child. That kind of just glosses over us, right? It's like, yeah, we've already been there, done that. Uh, I've matured out of those childish things, which is very true. Like Paul talks about that a lot. You have to go from milk to meat. You have to mature from childhood to, to manhood, womanhood. And that's very true. There's some immature things as a child that you need to grow out of. But then Jesus says, you have to grow back into childlikeness. And I think this is the most, one of the most hardest things as an older Christ follower. Because, you know, when you're young, you don't have the cares of this world, you haven't been weighed down with stuff. But Jesus says, I want you to grow into, to mature into childlikeness. I want you, yes, to become a man, a woman, but I also want you to become a child. See, the kingdom looks completely different from the world. The kingdom is is an upside down kingdom. It's the opposite of what the world teaches. See, Jesus taught us this in John 3 when he encountered Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was asking him all these questions. And Jesus told him what he says. You, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And obviously, there is a one-time salvation, birth into the kingdom when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you can do that in this moment. If you don't know Him, you simply turn your heart to Him. There's no magical prayer. You just say, Jesus, I receive You. I take You. I'm Yours. I, I now step Your way. I, that's what repentance is. It's stopping the way you were going, turning around and following him. That's repentance. So you can do that in the sea as I'm talking. So there's that one time being born again, but there's also a continual rebirth in the spirit that you and I must have. You and I must become like a child. Jesus says you must be born again. And, and I don't think we think that way very often. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to rewire our hearts and minds to start thinking like that. There's got to be another birth every single day of the water, the Spirit, and the wind, the Spirit. That's what Jesus talks about in John 3. This is called working out your salvation. It's not a works theology because, no, you're saved by grace, you know, but, but it is a working out. You are saved, but you're being saved. You are mature, but you're still maturing. You are sealed with the Spirit, yet you have to keep in step with the Spirit. Does that make sense? You are becoming in the process of who Jesus has called you to be. And so Jesus calls us to these two different directions simultaneously to mature into a man or a woman, a father or a mother, and also to go backwards and mature into childlikeness and that's what we're going to focus on today and both of these maturities are required for you to fully become who God intended you to be if you have your bibles flip with me to Matthew 18 it's not on the screen so you're either going to have your bible or you're going to have to trust me maybe some of both it says at that time the disciples called to Jesus and they asked him who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and he called a little child i love this and he set the child in the middle of them and he said i assure you and most solemnly say to you that unless you repent that is change your inner self your old way of thinking Change your life and become like children who are trusting, humble, and forgiving. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said to his disciples. See, they were were going after greatness. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Don't don't tell me that you have never thought that or asked Jesus that. But that was pride rising up. And what's his answer? No, 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 no. you don't understand the kingdom unless you become like children. You can't enter the kingdom. That word become, it's, it's so important. It means to come into being. It, it implies movement or motion. It's that stepping forward together. It's not adrifting. There's an action step for you to take. See, when, when you met Jesus on the shoreline of your life, what does he tell you to do? Follow me, and then he starts walking. And then if you don't follow him, you're drifting. He's called you to take steps after him. Remember, it takes no effort to drift, but it takes constant movement and growth to become. Who are you becoming? Are you becoming a follower of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus, or are you just drifting away to what the world is calling you? There's a tension there that we live in become like children unless you become like children that word children one of my favorite Greek words because of how many times Jesus used it it's pahedion it means a little child in training that's you or that should be you you should be a little child in training You know, I I love our worship here because, like Heidi said, we let the children come. But you know they're training you when they come up here. This is what you should be doing. They're showing, they are actually your fathers and your mothers in that moment of worship. They are showing you what it means to mature into a child. To completely abandon what you think, your comfort, and to go to the throne room. And to dance before Jesus and to not care what the person to your left or right is thinking. That's maturing into a paedion, a little child in training. See, over and over and over, he, he would call his disciples paedion. Hey, kids, little children. See, they, they got it. Well, at least John got it. John fully understood it because you read his letters, first, second, third. John, what does he call you and I? Little children, little children, Pahadion, Pahadion. This is how we mature to understand who we are as sons and daughters. Yes, you're becoming a father and mother. But in order to fully enter the kingdom, you must become a little child in training. We have to allow him to rewire our hearts and our minds. He says, Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like a child, that's actually greatness in the kingdom. You want to know who's the greatest, Jesus says? Humble yourself like a child. You come up here and dance before me. That's the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever makes himself low, that's what that Greek word means, that humility, whoever bows down, that's fierceness. In the kingdom, that's to be a fierce warrior. You know, I had this vision over Dalton back in the in the in the uh, spring of this fierce warrior, and he is. But Dalton's at his fiercest when he's on his face before the throne, because he's both maturing into a warrior. Yeah, that yields a sword, and he cuts with the word of God. But yet he's low and humble. That's an example of what it looks like to be a little child in training. And I believe today that the Lord wants to mark you as a pahadion, if you're willing. He wants to mark you as a child to rewire your heart and your mind into childlike faith. It's really hard, isn't it? Pride is a horrible thing that we all face. It's not gonna be a one-time marking. This is gonna be a daily thing that you go after daily maturing as you understand what it looks like to go back to childlikeness and forward to being that father and mother who you're called to be. So how do we mature into little children? I'm sure there's a lot more ways, but I've, I've got four things that I want to talk about and I believe that, that describe what it means to become a little child. The first is a receiving. That's a position of hands that are open. The second is a surrender. It's it's a position of face down before the Lord, making yourself low, physically low. There's something happens if you notice all of these things have actions with your physical body. And there's something that happens when your physical body responds that your spiritual self responds follows. And sometimes you don't, might not even feel like it, but it's the action that opens you up. It's like closed hands all of a sudden that are clenched. As soon as they're opened up, they can receive something. You you can't receive something with a fist, but you can receive something with an open hand. The third is a, a wonder. I love childlike wonder where their eyes are just looking up. The fourth is a delight when it's a a longing of the heart to be with the Father. I think those four things describe what it's like to be a little child in training. And I think those are the four things that we should go after this morning. A receiving, a hands open. The beauty about being children is that you own nothing. Think about it. Growing up, you, at least most of you, had a room to sleep in that was maybe your own. Maybe you shared with siblings. You had food to eat. But did you ever, at the age of three or four or five, did you ever worry about the budget? Did you ever stress about the car payment? Did you ever worry about where your next meal would come from? Did you ever worry about where you are going to sleep that night? No. Because your father and your mother took care of all that. But yet, at the same time, in those ages, you literally owned nothing. You don't even own the clothes that were on your back. See, this is what it means to go back to childlikeness. Jesus talks about this in in Matthew 7. He says, hey, don't worry about your life. Right? You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. Look at the birds. They don't struggle. (laughs) The father feeds them. Look at the lilies of the field. They're more beautiful than Solomon, the richest guy in the entire history of the world. They own nothing, yet the father takes care of them. That is the heart attitude we need to get back to. I'm not saying sell all your possessions and camp out in the front yard. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's some sort of heart condition when you surrender those things that God's given you, because here's the reality. The house you own now, the clothes you own now, the food that you buy now, it's not yours anyway. The world tells you it's yours, but it's not yours. And the sooner you learn to open your grip and surrender those things, the sooner you move into childlike open hands, and the sooner that you can actually receive the things of the Lord. Because the things that you need to receive are not the things that you can see. The things that you need to receive are words from the Lord. And if you're so consumed and worried, and and I'm telling you, listen, we all face, I was more anxious and stressed this last week than I have been in in weeks. This message is, is for me, if not if not for anybody else in this room. But as soon as you continue, and it's a daily thing, open your hands. Open your hands. God, I'm so stressed about this at work. I'm so stressed about this anxious thing, this, this money decision. Open your hands and watch him fill it. Watch him fill it. It's not gonna be in the way you think though. It's gonna be in a spiritual way, but it will. the spiritual impacts the physical. But once you start living with open hands, that's childlikeness. That's seeking first the kingdom of God and then everything else. Follows you. I remember growing up, we uh, we lived about ten hours um, f- drive through the mountains f- um, from Calgary to Vancouver, British Columbia, where my where my grandparents lived. And so often, like at Christmas time, or we'd go out there and we'd drive in the car. And my dad's a little crazy; he just liked to drive through the night, you know, in the blizzards through the mountains. But as a child, I never was stressed once. I just fell right asleep in the back seat. That's childlike trust. That's childlike faith, like literally allowing your father to take the wheel. It's so funny, I found we were looking for keys at the end of last week, Caleb and Leah, right? Love you, bro. <laughs> we, prayed, we prayed and they showed up. We should have done that first. But in the process, I found this little Lego steering wheel and I just set it on my chair there (laughs) and I came back Thursday night and it was still sitting there like, well, who's going to move the Lego on the chair in the middle of the week? But but it actually, when I saw it, I'm like, yes, I didn't even know that I was giving myself a prophetic word. (laughs) Let the father take the wheel. Let him take control, lose control. It's been a theme of my life that I'm working on in the last few months is lose control this situation that I'm, that's coming at me, that I'm anxious about, lose control to the Father. Lose control to the Father. It's time to release our grip, my friends. Our Father's not a genie in the bottle. He's your Father. He loves you. He looks on you with kindness. I think sometimes, like a child, we just need to go back to looking at the Father. And seeing how he is looking at us. His face is shining on you. He is looking on you with kindness. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to turn back to him, that leads us to repentance. If you're struggling, open your hands, lose control, receive his kindness. He's been there all along. The second thing is a surrender face down, a surrender. You know, surrender is a position. Surrender is a position. In, in Revelation 4, Jesus tells John, he says, come up here. Come up here. There's an action for John to take, right? Jesus doesn't come down to him, although he could have, but he says, come up here. And John does. And once he takes the step, he doesn't drift. He's being a disciple. He follows Jesus up there to the throne room. Once he does, he experiences what many of us have not experienced, the throne room of God, but many of us have experienced. You know, I was thinking about positioning ourselves. It's so critical where we position ourselves. I, I've sat in this chair through different buildings, but I've sat in this chair since basically the, the start of 214. I can't remember where I sat at Camp of Champions, but that was a long time ago. And I was thinking this week, why do I sit in this chair well, one, because I'm helping lead this church and leaders sit in the front because I'm, I'm, I'm an example to you all of how I worship, of how I lead. That's, that's one way. But I thought, Lord, you know, the primary reason why I sit in this chair is so that I'm positioned close to the front. Because when the Holy Spirit says, get on your face, get on your knees, I don't have to come from the back to the front. I, I would, but I'm coming up here. I'm getting close to the throne room. I'm not saying there's anything special about these rugs, but yet there is. There's something that happens in the movement of my hands and my heart and my feet and my eyes when I move and position myself to a place of surrender. Whatever that is for you, whatever Jesus is calling you in that moment, obedience is key. Sometimes you might not even understand why he's asking you to do it. but if you're like a child, you will obey. Good children obey without questioning what the father says. And if he says, respond now, get on your face now, you better do it because he's about to show you something. But you know what, you're losing, we are losing those moments sometimes when we don't step forward in obedience. And our pride keeps us from coming to the front in most cases, from kneeling in our chairs, from, from doing all these things, from sending the text, that you're supposed to send in that moment from calling that person that you, you know you're supposed to call in that moment. There's a reason that he gives you moments to choose to come up here. And it's our obedience that dictates whether we're surrendering in that moment. You know, as I've, if you come Thursday night or during a run through, you'll often see me on my face on these carpets and over the last year I've received more revelation not asking for revelation I'm just going to the throne room I'm just going to the father and it's in the moments where my eyes are fixed on Jesus where my eyes are fixed on the lion and the lamb it's in those moments that God drops a word into my heart that God shows me a vision and it starts with surrender and he's calling you to that childlike surrender as well. You know it's crazy I had a, two visions speaking of that. There is a little rabbit trail. I had two visions of the sewer systems on this street blowing open and reptiles being diced in half and leviathan being cut open. If you haven't seen it yet, go out on the street the whole thing is torn out. I'm just saying it's the Lord uses physical to show us what he's already doing in the spiritual. They're connected. See, the, your physical eyes are your actually least powerful eyes because there's way your spiritual eyes and, 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 and he's slowly taking scales off your eyes. If, if you want to pray something off, awesome, pray that he would remove the scales from your eyes to see what's happening in the supernatural. Because if you see that, it explains this childlike surrender. And John goes up to the throne in obedience, and he sees the 24 elders face down before the lamb seated on the throne, and they're worshiping the one who lives forever and ever, and they surrendered their crowns before the throne. See, this goes back to the open hands. It's a taking off of the crown that Jesus gives you. He gives you good things. He's a good father, he gives you good gifts. And when you open your hands, he's gonna give you more good gifts. But here's the, here's the cycle of childlikeness. Take the crown back off and put it at his feet. Because you don't even own the crown. He gives it to you like a father gives a son, like a a mother gives a daughter. But that's his. It belongs back to him. And that's when you get in this place, this rhythm of becoming a child, when you're surrendering the good things. It's like that spirit of Job, the the Lord gives and he takes away. I'm surrendering everything that you've given me, Lord. I, I recognize it's not mine. And I give it back to you. That's a life of childlike faith. That's a life of surrender, face down before the throne. The third childlike thing is a wonder. I love watching, I think it was Kai that was running around a few weeks ago and he saw one of these light streams and he just like stuck his face in it. (laughs) He put his hand in it. There's a wonder that children have that we lose because the world's beat it out of us. And the Lord is asking us to regain that wonder. Because He hasn't changed. His, his wonder hasn't changed. He's still awesome and great, yet we've clouded our own eyes. We've clouded our own vision because we've matured into adulthood. We're too, we're too cool to, to do X, Y, and Z. You know, Peter and, and James and John, they got invited up, they were part of the, the special three disciples are invited up on the mountain with Jesus, and all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear. Now, of course, they know Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus. They know who Jesus is, but all of a sudden, it's like Elijah and Moses, and they, they probably all three freaked out, but Peter, of course, being the external processor, just like freaks out and is like, guys, we've got to build a house for Moses and Elijah and all this other stuff, He thought he was doing the mature thing. And then the glory fell. And then the father's voice said over his son, this is my beloved son whom I love. And that put Peter and James and John into a face-down position. They couldn't handle the glory of God in a good way. And I love what the word says. When they looked up, They only saw Jesus. And that is the position of a child, of this wonder that we experience in all these great things, but we can't get distracted by Moses and Elijah and all this other stuff. And sometimes the good stuff distracts us from the one that we're supposed to be locking eyes with. And we have to get back to that place. That's why a lot of times... When I'm in the spirit, I'll close my eyes because I'm actually closing my physical eyes actually helps me see in the spiritual. This, this happened the other night just at Phil and Becca's house. We were celebrating Phil, 34 years old. This guy is maturing into a father. That was a weak golf clap. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if he is. <laughs> I love you, man. He's, he's maturing into a, a father and a child. He really is. And I love to see it. And we were, we were going around kind of blessing Phil and giving him some words. And in that moment, I had a word for him. And I found myself, and I was kind of just psychoanalyzing myself after the fact. But I found myself closing my eyes so I could focus on what the Spirit was telling me to say. I think a lot of times we've got to do that um, in the physical. We, ha- we have to learn to close our eyes to the distraction of Moses, the distraction of Eli- Elijah, even those are, those are good things. And we have to focus on the one. We have to focus on what the spirit is telling us to do. Sometimes that involves physically closing our eyes. Sometimes that's just like, okay, I have to separate this. You know, his word says he cuts between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. That's, that's cutting between. So your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit is what God seals, right? There's, they're two distinct things. His spirit cuts between those what is of you, and what is of him. And we have to be able to close our eyes to be able to see what he is saying, to be able to hear what he is saying, to be able to look him in the eyes. And when we look up, metaphorically, we see only Jesus. And we go after the wonder of what he's saying. I think so many times the fear of what people think just trips us up it wrecks us doesn't it we're so we're so worried about what people think and I love this about children that they just don't care sometimes that's a really good thing sometimes that's a really bad thing right they're maturing too but the good part of that is they don't care what anyone else thinks except for their father their mother and we've got to get to that place of, of saying Jesus I want your wonder. I see your mystery, but I've got to close my eyes sometimes to the things of this world so I can see only you. The fourth thing is a delight, a heart longing. I, I, I see the spirit move in this place. His presence is always here, but his manifest presence is not always here. And it's a mystery. A lot of it is a mystery, but I, I love this about children is they go after the mystery. Proverbs says that God's God's glory is to conceal things. He hide th- hides things. But the glory of kings is to unlock the mystery, to uncover the things that he has hidden. It's such, even that is a mystery. But our job in childlike delight and trying to attract his heart is to unlock the mystery that he's hidden and he's hidden it for us he says in isaiah 45 there's treasures in the darkness the dark thing that you are facing today there's a treasure of him in it you might not see it right away you might not know it for 10 years but you have to trust with childlike faith that he's got the mystery there and as a king and a priest your job is to be a child and go after that mystery See, children ask him questions. Don't children ask a lot of questions? Kip, do kids ask questions? Yes. You're driving down the road and like 20 questions before you can even answer the first one, which is annoying and great at the same time. The greatest thing, one of the greatest things we can do with our Father God, ask him questions. Some of the greatest revelation I've had is just asking him a simple question. And then, boom, he'll drop it in my spirit. I, yesterday, I was watching the clouds, and we've been saying, like, the clouds look different in the last couple of years. The clouds are different, and I believe that. But I said to him yesterday, why are the clouds different? And he said back to me, and, and I don't know the answer yet. He said back to me, he said, are the clouds different or are your eyes different? I don't know. Ask him questions. Go after his mystery. I mean, there's so many things we can do to drift, right? Like we can just click the next Netflix episode and just drift our life away. We can just do, put, we'll put whatever you want in there. I'm not saying that stuff is all bad, but too much of it, you're, you're drifting away. What are you gonna use your time for? Are you going to go after the mystery of God? Are you going to go after the love of the Father? Ask him questions when you're driving. There's a delight that happens in the heart of a child when it's just so excited. Like, I love Thursday nights here because it's just, and Sundays, of course, because it's people gathering, though. Thursday nights especially, because they're not going to come here to see some sort of performance. They're coming here for one reason and one reason alone. They're coming here to experience the presence of God. And when people step and move and come up here into a place to experience the presence, when there's hearts that unite, that are delighting in him, that's when he shows up. Just like this morning, you could feel the presence of the Lord. That's because he's attracted to the delight of his children. And the more delight there is, the more we're going after his mystery, the more he's going to manifest himself and show up. I firmly believe that. You must become like children, Jesus says. The second part of that passage in Matthew 18 says this. Jesus is still talking. He says, whoever receives and welcomes one child like this in my name. Remember, he's got the child in the middle of him. Whoever receives and welcomes one child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble in sin, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's rough. Whoever receives, that word receives is to warmly welcome the children, the little ones in training. And in doing so, you actually bring the name of Jesus into the place, wherever that is, in your home, in your office. But whoever causes these little ones to stumble, that's literally to put a stumbling block of offense in their way. Because he goes on in Matthew 18 to talk about being offended. And it starts, I believe, with if you're childlike or not. Go read it sometime. Read it this week. It's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and drowned. (laughs) That's rough. Jesus is being serious. See, there's only two options here. To warmly receive the little children into the kingdom, because that is the kingdom, or to become so offended at the idea of little children, and in doing so, put a weight so heavy around your neck that it would be better for you to drown. Those are your two options. But here's the thing, here's, here's the thing. Who are the little children Jesus is saying that we should receive? Who are the little children that we're preventing from entering into the kingdom by our offense? Remember what he said, he he called a little child and set him before them and said, I assure you, and I most solemnly say to you, unless you repent and become like children unless you become like children he's talking about you whoever receives children receives me the first child you must receive is yourself whoever causes these little ones to stumble the first child that you cause to stumble is you And you and I have unknowingly put a giant millstone around our necks and we've prevented ourselves from becoming little children. And we're just struggling to keep our head above the water and breathe because we've hung this millstone around our own necks. We're too proud for ourselves to become a child. We're too offended to mature into a little child. Like that's, that's not good enough for me and somehow along the way that kind of drifting becomes drowning and we've put a millstone around our own necks by not becoming little children in John 21 Jesus has been just been crucified and the disciples are confused what's going on and so they go back to fishing and they're out on the lake and they're discouraged and they're confused and they're just trying to catch some fish and suddenly they see a man on the shore they couldn't make out who it was and they heard him say this they heard him say Pahadion little children and John heard it first. John instantly knew who it was. Peter jumped over and beat him in the swim race, but John recognized the voice first. Pahadion, little children. Why don't you stand? See, just like John Jesus is on the shoreline of your life. And in in your discouragement and confusion, he's calling to you. He says, Padeon, little children. Maybe you don't even feel like you're in the boat, like you're the one that's put the millstone around your neck. You've prevented you from becoming a little child. And it's so heavy and you can't breathe and you're spending all of your energy just to catch your breath and try to keep your head above the water. And your drifting is about to turn into drowning, but this is what he calls from shore. He says, yeah, I see you, little child. It's not too late. You can turn to me still in all of your so-called maturity, in all of your adulting, I'm calling out your real name, Pahadion, little child in training. And he will break the heavy yoke around your neck because that's what he does. I heard the Spirit tell me this morning that he's breaking Egypt off of us this morning the slavery of the world that seems actually so attractive that we keep trying to go back to it. He's breaking that off of you if you are willing. He's breaking that millstone off of your neck if you just call out to him, if you come back to him as a little child. So you can drift away and drown with that weight on your neck or you can come to him... The one who says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He'll break that right off. I want you to picture yourself right now as that child. The disciples are all around. Everyone's in this room right now, right? And they all ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he grabs you. He picks you. you and he puts you in the middle of everyone and he says to them I want you to become like this child see that is you that's who he's talking to he wants you back as a child he wants to see you step into childhood once again with hands open that receive him with uh, surrender a face-down surrender eyes looking only at him in wonder with a desire that is unmatched for the Father and a heart that's abandoned for him. So I don't know what you want to do with what you've heard today. That choice is yours. But I know this, he's calling little children back to himself. And I believe this, that there's, there's a breaking off of Egypt that's happening right now. The Holy Spirit is actually revealing things in your past to you because some of you are tainted by becoming children because you your childhood was messy. You didn't have a father figure like the Father God. Your mother was not a good mother. Or maybe you did and it's just still messy. You're facing lies. There's There's maybe parts of your childhood you don't remember because there's trauma there. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now to reveal those to you and to bring purpose and his presence into the pain. And Jesus is saying, come up here. The, The altar is open. If you need to get in a position of face down surrender, a position of kneeling or hands open, eyes up, whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, Instantly obey. Do not delay. He wants to do something in your heart and life this morning. He wants to shift something in you. He wants to change something in you. He's calling you back to become a child, a little child in training. Don't be so proud of the person on your left or right. They're actually desperate to come up here. You worry about you. You worry about your heart. He wants to break Egypt off of you today. The Father adores these moments when his children come to him. when he does his best work. It's what he designed in the garden for for you to walk with him in the cool of the day. Just come back to him as a child and to say, Father, I'm losing my grip. I'm losing control. Back to you. I surrender all of it. I, I don't own anything anyway, Father. It's all yours. When I look somewhere, I just want to see you. My heart longs for you, Father, to be in this place, to fill up the space, Father. I I am your temple. I'm your child. I'm recommitting myself this morning to be born again into the kingdom. And his spirit is coming from the four winds, the four rivers, to blow over you, to wash over you, to reveal mystery to you as you seek his mystery, as you delight in him you'll find that the delight of your heart is becoming his delight.